Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Brian Peacock here, host of Locked On 49ers. I am with Chris Russell, host of Locked On Redskins. It's NFC East versus NFC West crossover week here on the network. Chris, first of all, thanks for doing this with me. It's always fun to get to know what's going on in a new year with a new team that is on the schedule. And unlike some of the other NFC East opponents, this game's later in the season, so I'm much more confident that this game will actually happen in week 14. Yeah, good to be with you as always, Brian. Um, And uh, yeah, not only what you just said, but you know, there's so many connections and even more now uh, after the Trent Williams trade between these two organizations. And Hey, what do you know? Now that the devil Bruce Allen is out of town, (laughs) the Redskins and the 49ers, because remember the last time we talked during the regular season last year, before that monsoon at FedEx field, we were kind of talking about how Bruce Allen refused to deal with Kyle Shanahan. Now that there's a new sheriff in charge, Uh, Apparently, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and Ron Rivera can be trade partners. Yeah, I think it was really Ron Rivera's relationship with John Lynch that might have greased the wheels on that one that we're finding out later. And also that not a lot of people were willing to give up a bunch for Trent Williams, maybe. And Trent Williams... We had, we had, what's crazy is we should start with this. And I do want to talk Alex Smith. I want to talk about maybe some matchups between these two teams when they do meet in December at Levi's Stadium. But yeah, let's start with the Trent Williams stuff here because it's so interesting. And, you know, there's bad blood supposedly between maybe Dan Snyder and the Shanahan family, or maybe it was Bruce Allen more than Snyder, as it would seem now, now that Bruce Allen is gone. Do you, was there any truth to the, the rumors that we're hearing now? And I think it was Ron Rivera himself who said that Washington had an offer for a first round pick for Trent Williams last year before the trade deadline and didn't take it. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've doubled down, tripled down, 10 times down on that. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is Ron never actually said that they were offered. He said he had heard that he was worth a first round mm. pick right around the deadline. So now he's getting that information secondhand, whether it be from his essential general manager, Kyle Smith, who was just who is the vice president of player personnel now under Ron Rivera, but he was just the director of college scouting at this time last year, uh, or he's getting it through Dan Snyder. So again, worth and offered is two totally different things. I've checked with uh, at least seven or eight different sources and people, um, people that would absolutely know Brian and and I've and I've checked with other members of the media who also have really good sources and they and I have been categorically told never once were the Washington Redskins offered actually offered a first round pick by anybody. Uh, Again, there was a lot of rumor. There was a lot of speculation what the Redskins were looking for. I have no doubt they were looking for that. And I have no doubt that at some point or one point he was worth that meaning Trent Williams. Mm -hmm. The problem was after, after all of this, and you mentioned some of his demands and and all that, and I'm sure we'll get into some of it. He was not worth that first round pick anymore. That's why the 49ers got him at relatively a cheap bargain basement price. How about the other part of that that we had heard uh, on day three of the draft that maybe the Vikings had agreed to a deal and maybe it was for a little bit more than the 49ers gave up to Washington for Trent Williams, but that since Williams didn't want to sign a new deal in Minnesota, that that pretty much nixed that deal, which made it only the 49ers offer at that point. 
Yeah, so I haven't been able to double down on exactly what the Minnesota offer was, but I do believe, I do believe it was more or maybe a better present return. And remember, you know, Riley Reif was was mentioned in there. I haven't been able to confirm uh, that, but my understanding is that Trent Williams nixing that deal and make no mistake about it, he nixed it because he knew San Francisco where he also and ultimately wanted to play from a couple of st- couple of reasons. One, much better weather. Uh, two, he obviously knows Kyle Shanahan very, very, very well. Saw them in the Super Bowl. Not that the Vikings had a bad year last year. Obviously, they didn't. And clearly, he's familiar uh, with Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, if you – no offense to anybody in Minnesota. If you had the opportunity to live in Minnesota or the San Jose area, where would you live? <laughs> I'd live in the San Jose area, yeah. and I'd want to play for Kyle and John Lynch. So, you know, he'll say he didn't. His agent will say he didn't. Listen, they um, – here's the thing. I, I love Trent Williams. Uh, I've covered him since the day he walked in that building. I've seen him grow from an immature kid to a grown man, Brian. He's made plenty of mistakes. Um I, I think he handled a, a good deal of this wrong. That doesn't mean he didn't have a legitimate and valid point, but I think he handled a lot of this wrong. And maybe that final step was, hey, if I can go to Kyle in San Francisco, why the heck would I want to go to frigid old Minnesota? I can <laughs> go out there and still get my cake and eat it too. And the the Washington Redskins did draft a couple of offensive linemen after that deal was consummated uh, I, I want to ask about Trent Williams the dude and you mentioned some immaturity maybe early in his career he was really young he was I think he was only 20 years old right when he was drafted yeah. out of Oklahoma and you know athleticism through the roof he's, he's a borderline freak of nature and now an all pro to replace another all pro who was a borderline freak of nature that ran four seven at his pro day in Joe Staley Joe Staley a big leader and a big part of the locker room for a long time with the 49ers what kind of a person are the 49ers getting in Trent Williams and does he still have a lot left? Was he still that same guy the last time he was on the field? So I think that's two separate uh, answers. And here's what I'll give you as a leader, as a guy on the clubhouse or in the clubhouse, I'm thinking baseball as a guy in the locker room, as a leader, as a guy that is a, a feisty, fierce competitor who will lay it all on the line. You're getting a gem in Trent Williams. You're not going to have to worry about that. Now, I mean, in the past, he has been suspended twice for recreational drug use. Um, So, you know, with all the new rules and whatever, I'm not going to take you down that road. The bottom line is, is he doesn't come squeaky clean in that regard. Right. Um, But the bigger concern for me. Uh, for the San Francisco 49ers will be his injury history. You know, he hadn't played a year and a half, so that's going to help, I think, physically his body from healing all of the nagging things that he's had to deal with, multiple knee problems, uh, thumb ligaments, all sorts of different things. So that's going to help. But there also could be a good amount of rust, number one. And number two, Brian, we don't know still if he can actually wear a helmet and knock shoulder pads and go after it and sweat and perspire and do all the things you need to do consistently in practice and in the NFL 
at a high level without irritation or problem to his scalp, which is what originally triggered this problem. For those that don't know, he had a tumor or what turned out, it was thought to be just an innocent bump. It turned out to be a tumor. And at one point he was apparently told, according to Trent, hey, prepare for the end of your life. And so it became this really serious situation and it turned out to be, thankfully, after surgery and multiple procedures, not to be uh, cancer uh, or, or or not to be malignant or or whatever. But it was dirt. It was termed cancer and a certain type of scalp cancer. So he hasn't, to our knowledge, we haven't seen any evidence of him putting on a helmet because he returned to Redskins Park last year on Halloween to do that, and then the Redskins shut him down a week later before he even had the opportunity to step on the practice field. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. The fact that he still has not worn a helmet to anybody's knowledge. And I assume that there's ways to work around that, that they'd be able to make that work, but um, it's just an extra little layer to this whole thing. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's quite a story. And you mentioned all the other injuries and he has had a ton of nagging injuries throughout his career. He's only played 16 games, I believe twice in his entire career. Mm -hmm. So that is something Mm -hmm. to monitor, especially even if he's, you know, healthy now and he shows up and maybe knocks off the rust and is feeling pretty spry at the beginning of the year, giving him a long-term contract. That is still something to think about, but it was interesting what Trent Williams said about the 49ers. He said that he was betting on himself. He wasn't worried about getting the long-term deal. Now he said he thought he would be able to earn that deal this year with the 49ers, but he said he also liked that the 49ers had a future third round pick in it. Like the Niners had some skin in the game for this to be a long-term relationship between Trent Williams and the 49ers. So no, that's a, that's a great point. And you know what? I didn't really think about that because um, you you know, the, the thing that struck me immediately when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talked and then Trent talked, you know, Oh, he's willing to prove himself. Well, he wasn't willing to do that here in Washington Um, And he wasn't willing to do it for Ron Rivera, right? I mean, it's one thing to not be willing to do it for Bruce Allen again, who he had a major blood feud with uh, over this situation and over the contract. It was another thing to not be willing to do it for Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera just simply said, hey, big boy, prove yourself. You know, like, I don't know you. I want to make sure that we're both on the same page. And that Trent wouldn't give him that opportunity. So, Mm. and that's where I think, you know, partially where, you know, kind of Trent went wrong, to be quite honest with you. Um, right. He was just so that, done at that point, right? He's like, I don't, it doesn't matter what happens here. I'm done here. Right. And 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 so maybe the, just the bad blood for the past um, and, and the fact that Ron just didn't roll over and play dead and just give him whatever he wanted annoyed Trent to the point where he said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to play for Kyle. And as you know, You know, Mike Shanahan is still very much involved in this organization as well, too, from afar. But Mike is still involved on a daily basis. I I know that for sure. So, I mean, there is some tribute to Kyle's dad here as well. So maybe that was just it. Maybe it was just, oh, you know, I'm willing to do it for somebody I know and somebody I like and Kyle and Mike, as opposed to somebody I don't know in Ron Rivera. Either way, it's interesting to see. When this contract extension, Brian, comes about, does it come about after he goes through training camp and the preseason and they know he can wear a helmet and they know he's healthy and he looks like the old Trent Williams? Or do they make him go eight games into the season and 12 games into the season and really, really prove that he can stay healthy and that he's Trent Williams? That'll be really interesting for me. They 
weren't really worried about it last year when they traded future picks for Emmanuel Sanders and they ended up letting him walk in free agency. And it would seem to be not the smartest team building move to keep pushing those future picks away and have veterans on short term deals and then have future picks with nothing to show for it. So very interesting to see how the 49ers and Trent Williams play this out. Uh, A lot more I want to talk about here with Washington Redskins, 49ers, maybe some matchups when these teams get together in December coming up here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bars are tasty and Built Bars are healthy. If you're looking for that energy, you need a snack. This is ideal, the ideal snack for me because you don't want anything heavy. You don't want anything that is going to stick in your teeth when you're trying to do a podcast or a meeting. You got the video conference, right? You don't want to be the guy with stuff all over his teeth. The key here is the the health part to go along with the tastiness with low sugar, which is key for me because some of these bars are like 400 calories. They're sugar bombs. And it's crazy. It's supposed to be this thing you're doing healthy for yourself to have this bar instead of a meal. And you might as well be having dessert. But Built Bars filled with protein, they, they taste as good as a candy bar. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and chewy. Uh, they're very easy to eat, smooth, love the texture. My favorite so far has been the peanut butter, although I've got a, a mix in my box that I, that I haven't finished yet. Mint chocolate is a really good flavor, but the peanut butter is my favorite. Here's what's crazy. 20 grams of protein, only 3 grams of sugar. You would never taste this and think it was only 3 grams of sugar. So uh, that's the biggest thing to me that, that makes me love these Built Bars is they taste fantastic, but they're not sugar bombs. So low calorie, low sugar, low carb, but high in protein, high in fiber, exactly what you need in a snack. And the best part is if you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, I'm going to lean on you here, Chris, with another storyline. And I've got to talk about this because of the player that these two teams have in common in Alex Smith. And if anybody hasn't seen the E60 documentary, the Project 11 program, it's fantastic. And I was blown away when I saw the photos and then again saw the video during that program of what Alex Smith went through and what his leg actually looked like. And the fact that he's out there working out right now as if he's trying to come back and actually play quarterback in the NFL, it blows me away. And I know his time in San Francisco didn't go great. He sputtered at the beginning of his career as a really young 20-year-old redshirt sophomore coming in in 2005, finally found his footing. Then he got hurt. Kaepernick took over, went to the Super Bowl, ended up leaving San Francisco, but a lot of 49ers fans liked Alex Smith and still have some really good feelings about him. And a lot of people I've seen recently, he's like, look, get this guy back in here. We want Alex Smith back to be our backup quarterback and maybe even take a snap. It'd be a really cool story to see that come for a full circle mm-hmm. and see him actually take, take a snap again for the 49ers. But um, what was it like for you at the beginning of this whole thing when Alex Smith's injury first got hurt and how quickly this whole thing just got out of hand with his leg? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's obviously a very complex story, Brian, as you just kind of alluded to some of the, you know, the, 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 I guess the backstory, not only in San Francisco, but then in Kansas City and then on to Washington. And 
you know, I'll never forget that day. I had a death actually in the family uh, that morning. And so I was already, you know, sad. And then, you know, and then you see this and you know how bad it is right away. Uh, very Joe Theismann like for people way back that remember that injury. Uh, I run, I mean, the, the ironies are so incredible. Uh, 49er fans might be interested. I mean, happened, uh, you know, different stadium, but at the same yard line, the same score in the game, the same final score in the game, the same type of it. I mean, it was just incredible. The, the ironies, right. And you realize it's that it, it's bad, but what we didn't know uh, in the days after the injury was how bad the infection got and how quickly it took off because, and the documentary showed this, Alex was ready to leave the hospital and spiked a fever, and then that led to another, and then one procedure led to ultimately 17, and trying to shorten this up uh, to not, you know, make it too long in detail. The fact that he, never mind is he that he's running full speed in sprinting straight line, which we saw at the end of the documentary. And then his wife, last week for his 36th birthday, filmed him full speed running bootlegs and sprint outs and sprint rolls, Brian. I mean, to see that now there is a difference when nobody can tackle you. And there is a difference when no, when no trash is at your feet, right. And nobody's blitzing you off the edge, but to see that is utterly incredible. He does not look, he does not look in any way, shape or form different than when we last saw him play on a football field. Now, again, there is a difference between doing that and when you can't tackle and when somebody can't spear your shin with a helmet or, yeah. or, or, or something. But so for that reason, I, I still don't know how you count on him, but this dude is probably the most determined dude I, I I've ever covered. I, I don't know what your, your thoughts on him. I mean, I, I was not expecting this fierce of a competitor and this fierce of a human being to see what he's done. Brian is nothing short of utterly phenomenal, even if he never actually plays again. And I would be surprised if he's, given the opportunity to play again because of what you mentioned and a team not wanting to put him in the position of, you know, because at this point he doesn't want to protect himself if he's trying to get back out on a football field and that leg might not be strong enough to take the kind of hit that he might get if he was to even take a single snap in a game. So um, I have my doubts that he'll even be allowed by a team to go play, but it's, it's an awesome story and I'm rooting for him and I hope he is able to if that's truly what he wants to do and you know there's you know something inside of him that that drives him because I don't know how he even made it through his first years in San Francisco mm -hmm. because the team was so bad the 49ers mm -hmm. and it was a long time mm -hmm. before he was playing really good football and he got benched a few times and the Niners had a bunch of quarterbacks running through in the first few years of his career the fact that he stuck and got a second contract with the 49ers is is pretty amazing already and then he got to the point under Harbaugh where it was a really good team and they were making this run then he gets hurt and then loses that starting job but the way he carried himself through all of that's pretty amazing so nobody's rooting for Alex Smith harder than me and I know he won a lot of fans in San Francisco even though they didn't win a ton while he was here yeah just an incredible story and I, I, you know again you forget what he's been through like you said not only in San Francisco but essentially not a repeat of that in Kansas city, but where he was replaced by Kaepernick because of injury and because of maybe upside in San Francisco, when mm -hmm. just when you thought things were going in the right direction, then in Kansas city, he has 
a Pro Bowl year and a career year, and he's still replaced yeah. by a young stud who hasn't proven anything, right? I mean, right. if you think of all the ironies, just San Francisco to Kansas City, never mind what happened to him here in Washington, uh, just incredible. Now, one last thing I'll add to this. The Redskins, you know, look, unfortunately, they've been stuck with a huge burden under their salary cap, $20.5 million last year. Of course, he did not play it down. $21.5 million, Brian, this year. Uh, it's hard to expect, think, plan that he's going to play football as we just talked about, but maybe he does. Next year is going to be really interesting if he can, cannot, whatever. The Redskins can finally get out of that contract with uh, basically about a $10.5 million dead cap hit, and they could potentially spread that over two years. It's going to be really interesting to see where we're at next year, not only in terms of Alex's comeback, but also the salary cap implications. And, and tying this whole thing together with the Alex Smith leg infection and Trent Williams not trusting the organization, maybe not trusting the team physicians, uh, there was other infections, right, that came out of Washington. Was it Darius Geis or, or was it another player that also had an infection from a surgery? Yeah, no, Darius Geis had a couple of infections. You're absolutely right. Um, and and look, there's been, um, I guess the safest way I could say this, there's been a long list of, of, of customers that have been disgruntled about the medical treatment that they received or the trainer, uh, the head athletic trainer. Uh, and that guy was fired right when Ron Rivera took over. So, I mean, hopefully they think they've got it solved. We'll see. They kept some of the, you know, the same training staff, some of the old doctors, they brought in not only a new head athletic, you know, so we'll see what happens, but there was total mistrust, lack of faith, and for good reason in a lot of cases. And you're absolutely right about the infections. Now, I was told by Stefania Bell, who did the medical analyst uh, work for the ESPN documentary, um, she swore to me up and down on the record, off the record, that every bit of evidence she had in her being a medical expert, everything was handled correctly and uh, and, and they did went above and beyond with Alex, uh, be, not only after, but before. So I have to take her at her word that this was just a bad case of an open wound. They told me, she told me, they pulled a piece of dirty sock out of his leg. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you have dirt, uh. Brian, you know, in an open wound, I mean, who am I to say that it's bad doctor work that you got an, an infection? You, you know what I'm saying? Right. And a compound fracture and how bad that injury was. And actually, that we played that clip from Stefania Bell on your show. We played it on the Locked On NFL program. So anybody out there who hasn't heard it, go back to listen to uh, Chris and Stefania on Locked On Redskins and, and hear that whole episode. It's, it's a really cool episode as it pertains to Alex Smith. But uh, we've got to move on here because there is a matchup between... The Redskins and 49ers in December, and there's some really cool individual player versus player matchups that I want to highlight here as we're still, you know, six months, seven months out from this contest, but it's an interesting one, so let's get into that next. First of all, really quick here, Chris, looking at the Redskins draft, and they did draft a couple of offensive linemen with actually with one of the picks, the fifth rounder that they got from San Francisco, they drafted Keith Ishmael, San Diego State, California mm -hmm. kid center. And then right after we heard word of them moving on from offensive tackle Trent Williams, they drafted offensive tackle Sadiq Charles out of LSU. Charles is one I like, and I think he might play more guard than tackle. Uh, what's the scouting report, and what do you see in those young offensive linemen? Do you think they're going to get in and play early? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Sadiq Charles and more guard than, than left tackle. First, I'll give you two things on that. Ron Rivera said he'll be cross-trained to guard, number one. Uh, so that so that's number one. So that's already in the works. Um, I think he'll compete for that left tackle spot uh, with guys like Cornelius Lucas, who they signed from Chicago, is more of a right tackle but can play left tackle. And then Jaron Christian, former third-round pick out of Louisville in 2000. 18 who just quite honestly has not developed enough yet but still they they hold out you know some hope for him because he's got the long arms and all that stuff but i'll give you one uh you you'll remember this name logan paulson because uh he played you know um uh, under kyle shanahan uh and for a little bit of time with the san francisco 49ers uh he was just talking last week about how he thinks that he charles will be more of a left guard in the nfl so I mean, we'll have to see what happens in that regard. I mean, again, I, I know he's going to work at both positions. It's not like the Redskins have a surefire answer at left guard, to be honest with you. So if the best situation is to put him inside, I don't know if I see it as a rookie. I see him probably getting more snaps as a left tackle as a rookie and early in his career and then kind of determining, okay, He's not really working here, but if we can push him and convert him inside where he doesn't have as much space to cover. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I see more of that kind of plan, but right now I see him working eventually at both. That makes sense because tackle is so much more valuable. Let him see if he's not a tackle first before you move him inside to guard full time. That would make sense to me. It's interesting because he'll have a chance to potentially see a guy that he saw in the SEC in 49ers first round defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw so uh, I'm sure they're somewhat familiar with each other even though Sadiq Charles played more uh, left tackle and maybe they didn't go head up a ton at LSU and South Carolina but uh, he's a name to watch and a player that I really like I love his movement skills and there's some off-field stuff which is I think why he fell to round four but an interesting prospect there for Washington so we have a couple of stud Ohio State defensive ends in this game. Nick Bosa lines up mostly on the right side. They do move him around. Who's he going to see? Who is that starting left tackle then for Washington most likely in December? Will it be the rookie? Yeah, and 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 again, you know, and I didn't mean to jump in on you. Again, they have three potential candidates, right? I mean, obviously, now that the Trent situation is solved, by the end, by this game in mid-December, which, by the way, caps off a three-game road trip for the Redskins at Dallas on Thanksgiving, at Pittsburgh 10 days later, at San Francisco, which is just a brutal oh, gauntlet. Brutal. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows who's going to be, A, be healthy, and who knows who's going to be standing. My guess, my guess would be that when we get there, it'll probably be jaron christian but I, I i honestly can't say that now again he was overdrafted third round pick out of louisville uh that was a real surprise a couple of years ago and that really kind of greased the skids at the beginning for trent's resentment quite honestly from my own reporting trent was very bothered by that selection that they were almost drafting his potential replacement um so it'll be interesting if he's the guy that in 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 the game you know not not that Trent's coming home but in the game that Trent goes against his former team and I know he won't be going against Trent if he actually is the starting left tackle uh, for the Redskins but yeah I mean I mean the Redskins the, the best way I could sum this up is 
the Redskins might be more worried about what they have at right tackle or just as worried about what they have at right tackle than left tackle because Morgan Moses had a bad year last year and he was banged up all sorts of injuries, little nagging thing. And he's always banged up, but he's never really been as bad as he was last year. And he was not good. And Brandon Sheriff, who's their franchise tag player at right guard, I mean, he, he's good to very good. I don't think he's dominant, but he hasn't been healthy for the last two years, Brian. He he's played 19 out of 32 games. So who knows by mid-December who's going to be standing for the Redskins? What are you hearing about this new coaching staff and what kind of offense they're going to run there? Because it would seem to me with what they have, young quarterback, young wide receivers. By the way, I like both Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon. It would be interesting to see if they if if Harmon can win a starting job to go along with the fellow a second-year guy in Terry McLaurin there. But it would seem to me that they're going to pound the rock quite a bit. Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, uh, the draft darling that everybody loved, third-round pick this year, and Antonio Gibson, work him out of the backfield as a running back, uh, throw the ball to him, you know, have some gadget plays. Bryce Love, I don't know what the story is with him, if he's looking ready to come back and be a contributor this year. It would seem like it's going to be a ground-heavy attack, though, and protect your quarterback, protect those offensive linemen. There are a lot of question marks there up front. Front and then hit them with play action over the top if you get the opportunity. Yeah, I know analytics guys hate establish the run, but I do believe the Redskins will try and pound the rock to take pressure off of Dwayne Haskins, which is exactly what they should do. And it also takes pressure off that offensive line with so many questions uh, that I just mentioned. Um, and, and then work your play action and your boot and your sprint rollouts and all that stuff off of that. Um, Scott Turner, North Turner's son, is – now the offensive coordinator for the Redskins. Now he called plays for the final four games of last year. Once Ron Rivera ironically was fired in Carolina by the Washington Redskins on Thanksgiving weekend. So there's a lot of ironies here. And of course, Scott is the son of Norv who was once the former Redskins head coach who was fired by the still current Redskins owner. So, I mean, there's all sorts of weird storylines and twists and soap opera type stuff here, but if, from an offensive perspective, you mentioned some of the weapons. I do think they will try and pound the rock a little bit. As we mentioned, Adrian Peterson still for now, Darius guys, you mentioned Bryce love. We don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp. I've heard I've heard two different things. He says he'll be ready. I've heard he won't. Um, either way, I expect him to be eased in if he's even ready. Let's just put it that way. Um, but they also signed J.D. McKissick, who 49er fans might be you know, um, familiar with from his days with Seattle. Uh, and they have Peyton Barber if he makes the roster. Uh, and you mentioned Antonio Gibson. So the, the long answer is, I think they're going to be more gadgety and more heavy screen, a la how Carolina used Christian McCaffrey without having a pure Christian McCaffrey. I think they're going to be more screen and more gadgety than they have been under Jay Gruden, which was more of a high to low read type offense. So I'm looking forward to this offense. I think they'll be better now against this 49er front, even though you guys have had some movement uh, and some losses. You mentioned Kinlaw being added to the mix uh, to try and replace some of what y'all lost. Uh, I, I, if Dwayne Haskins is there at quarter, or even if Kyle Allen is, I would worry because you have to get rid of the football really, really quick, as you know, Brian, and as 49er fans know, against that defensive front. Number two overall pick, Chase Young, 
Washington has some strong edge guys already. The the veteran in Ryan Kerrigan last year's first round pick in Montez Sweat, but I can't imagine Chase Young's been going to be sitting on the bench, right? No, no, and and you know it, it's interesting because we were just talking about all the little weapons. Even though there's questions about uh, their offensive guys, there aren't questions of the defensive line guys and their skill sets. The question is how does Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio utilize all their chess pieces and what i mean by that is you mentioned montez sweat you have chase young you have ryan kerrigan still going into the final year of his deal you have ryan anderson who's really improved and uh steadily has improved throughout his young career and is looking to have kind of a breakout year now he'll probably be more of a strong side linebacker in the four three as opposed to an end but he could still play an end position in the four three if they want him to um, but then on top of that, you have former first-round picks, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, who will kick inside. Matt Ioannidis, a former fifth-round pick out of Temple, who's been their best pass rusher, quite honestly, the last couple of years. And some creative defensive minds, again, in Del Rio. Uh, and, and and Bay Area fans probably remember you know, Del Rio for, obviously, his stint as the Raiders head coach. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a better defensive coordinator than a better head coach. So I really expect this defensive line – quite honestly, to be something similar to what you guys got used to last year when it all kind of came together, you know, to a point where, you know, a guy like Solomon Thomas, who, you know, was fine, rotate. I mean, he's kind of pushed out a little bit. And, and you know, where somebody good is not going to be getting a lot of snaps. It ain't going to be Chase Young, but somebody <laughs> good is not going to be getting enough snaps if everybody's healthy because the Redskins have so much depth and talent now on that defensive line. We're running long here, Chris, but I got to ask you one more, and you can keep this answer as short or long as you want. The 49ers and Redskins share another player in common, and that is linebacker Reuben Foster. What's his status right now? Is he supposed to be healthy and potentially ready to play in 2020? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question, and, and you're right. I mean, again, we, we have so many connections here. Let me give you the short answer. He just got feeling back in his toes in late jo- January after tearing the ACL, MCL, and uh, it was either the LCL or the PCL. I can't remember the third ligament. Um, so obviously, he's got a long road back. I- I'd be surprised, Brian, if he opens up the season and training camp, whenever that is, not on the um, – you know, the preseason pup list, meaning hold him out. Don't practice him right away. Retain the ability to put him on the season pup list, which would mean he would have to miss the first six weeks, but he wouldn't count against the roster and the Redskins would be able to retain control. He's cheap. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. They did not exercise the fifth year option, uh, even though it was grandfathered in under the old rules, meaning it was only guaranteed for injury, not skill uh, under the new rules. So, Uh, He's only, again, under contract for one more year. I would expect them to keep him. He's been, as as far as everything I know, a model citizen here. I know he's worked his butt off to, you know, kind of go through the therapy and rehab and all that stuff. I just don't know. I don't know physically where he's at and and when he's going to be able to get back to what Reuben Foster was for you know, few too many games and few too many plays for the San Francisco uh, 49ers, but obviously a, a very, very talented player. And if he can get back to 75% of that, trust me, the Redskins could use that at the Mike linebacker, um, you know, to kind of complement what they have or don't have, quite honestly, in John Bostic. 
Well, the weather should be a lot better this year in Santa Clara <laughs> when the Washington Redskins visit the San Francisco 49ers Sunday, December 13th. Chris, it was a pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining me here. You guys can find Chris on Twitter at Russellmania. 621. Fantastic handle, by the way. I love the WrestleMania. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Tell a friend that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I'll talk to you again at least in December, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian, sir, for talking so much. Pleasure <laughs> to be with you as always. Big fan of yours.